podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I won the FA Youth Cup the year after winning the FA Cup. We had some fantastic individuals, like those Gaza, Naeem, Gary Lineker. Um, but again, I think the, the problem was when we played well, we was very, very good. It was just finding that that consistency. In the semi-final, the free kick, and I'm thinking, you're not going to take a free kick from there, surely. David Seaman in goal, yeah. by yeah. the way. Yeah. But <laughs> Gaza being Gaza, not only did he have the confidence, but he executed it as well. Hi, everyone. Here we are for another episode of Off The Shelf with me, Michael Dawson, and my co-host, Paul Miles. How are you, mate? All good, thank you. Doors, all good and all the better, as we always say, for the guests that we've got in the studio at the moment. Well, we certainly get some amazing guests oh, at this moment incredible. So this is another member of the Allen dynasty in football. Obviously, we know Les and we know Clive, who played for Spurs. And this fella to our right is another man who deserves his place in that dynasty. 370 games for Spurs, Michael, over eight years. FA Cup winner. He won our Player of the Year. Funnily enough, in the year that Teddy won the Golden Boot in the Premier League, this man won the club's Player of the Season. So that says a lot about what the fans thought of him. Michael, should we reveal? Well, everyone's waiting to reveal. Paul, great to see you. Yeah, and another Alan you. on the show, eh? Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, good to be here. Thank you. Thanks for the invite. Thank you for coming. Yeah. What do you think of Clive was first, so I'm sorry, Paul, just to tell you. Clive was here uh, yeah. a little while ago, and that was amazing, but we're, uh, we're certainly excited to hear you. What do you think of this studio, Paul? Uh, I was just speaking earlier. I think the, the training ground, the facilities, they just amaze me every yeah. time that I turn up. It's just in incredible. Because we were talking about your time at Mill Hill. And <laughs> well, yeah, to think that, well, Chesant was my first, the first training ground, and then we moved from Chesant to... Mill Hill and the facilities were limited to say the least but we didn't know any different it was what it was and we just used to go in and train and enjoy it every day but they weren't to this level certainly not well we've got to kick off Paul we're talking about the Allens plenty of you yeah um, how has it been brought up as, as looking at yeah, your dad and your uncle with the highlights of football was that something you always thought I want to follow their dreams I think from the age of six, that was my first introduction into football, not knowing obviously anything about the Allens. Um, my dad took me to watch Les, his younger brother, play at West Ham for QPR. That was the game that inspired me. From that moment on, I wanted to play football. A few years later, I can remember getting taken to watch Dennis, the younger of the brothers, who had a testimonial at Reading. Bobby Moore played. There were some great names there. So I was very lucky to be in and around that environment. And that was what, from that moment on, I just wanted to play football. So I've been very lucky genetically that with that Alan Jean that I'm still a part of a very, very successful family, which has been, which has been great. I mean, of your generation, Paul, obviously you've got Clive, you've got Bradley as well. What was it like even just sort of growing up as kids, being around that all the time? Very competitive, I would say. So if we ever went to my nans, which was the usual place that we'd meet up at weekends, there would always be a ball came out, that came out. There would always be a game. It would be competitive, but in a good spirit. So it's, it's always been instilled in us that, that, that side of football, the history of Les and Dennis. So thankfully, we've been able to kind of continue that with Clive, myself and Martin and Bradley. That's all you ever knew, I'm guessing, at the age of six, you started from a young, young age yeah. watching. And then, was there anything else that, 
maybe took your eye a little bit or is, was it always football? No, it, it was always football, just focused on football. I think if I look back now, some of the things that the parents say to you about education, getting mm. qualifications, working hard, uh, it was just, just completely focused on wanting to become a professional footballer. I worked on my education, but football was my dream. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play football. I think that's something there we touch on on the education. My nephew's just gone into to Hull City at the age of 16. I think whether we have the younger generation listening to it, education is massive. Yeah. And I'm the same with you, Paul. Like my dream and the only thing I thought of was being a footballer. But not everyone's as fortunate as what we, we were to go on to have a, have a long career. So you do have to think education. You can't just set your, your goal on to be a footballer. You've got to think of the education as well. Do you, you agree with that? Oh, in, in, entirely. I mean, it's never too late to learn. It's never yeah. too late to get qualifications. But I think that it's just so, so important that you focus on, on your education. And the football probably should be coming... Yeah, it's, it's difficult because I know for me, it was just football was number one, two and three. I didn't want to do anything else other than play football. I was speaking to Bradley last week, actually, when I was down and went and spoke to the, to the scholars and, and, and spoke to them. And they're all sat there and you're thinking their dream is to be a professional footballer. And, and look, let's hopefully the majority make it at this football club. But we know how hard it is, but can they go on and make a living whether it be down the pyramid or not, but their goal is still to have a thought of academ uh, academic. What can we do? And I think now going forward, from certainly in your time and my time, they do do a lot more, uh, a lot more work to help. I them. think there's a lot more in place now about Definitely. preparing for that second career, about education, getting qualifications. So I think that's something that thankfully has really improved mm. within the game and within clubs as well. So Paul, you're going to West Ham at 78, and. Um I mean, just tell us a little bit what West Ham looked like there. And it wasn't long before you made your debut. Um, I mean, what can you remember about your debut? But tell us about, you know, West Ham as a club at that time and, and who was there and, uh, you know, the, the team that you stepped into. So it's quite ironic because when I mentioned about earlier going to watch Les in 1968, I've looked recently to see what date that, that fixture was. So two of those players that played on that actually at that actual day were to become teammates. Wow. So that was Trevor Brookin and Billy Bonds. They both wow. played in that game. So I went there as a 14-year-old, as an associated schoolboy, just playing competitive football, uh, grassroots football, district football. Got scouted. 16, I signed as an apprentice. Can still remember that. First day, I lived in Averley in Essex. Two buses to Chapel Heath walked to the training ground. In those days, there was a lot more other than the footballing side of it. You did jobs, yet there was jobs that you had to do, boots, clean the dressing room, but it was the best place to be. I was living the dream as a 16-year-old in and around players that I'd kind of watched on the television and kind of and in, were, that were an inspiration and who I aspired to be. And there I was on the same training pitch of them. So there was Trevor Brooking, Billy Bonds, Pop Robson, when I first went there, Alan Devonshire, Phil Parks. Some proper was, West Ham legends there. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I was a QPR fan because of Clive's dad, yeah, Les. Yeah, yeah. So when Phil Parks was the highest paid goalkeeper to yeah. come to West Ham, that was a real thrill for me. So trained, we used to train Monday to Friday, play in the youth side, and then the biggest thrill was going back to watch the first team in the, in the afternoon. They, they were great days, great memories. Yeah. Yeah, back at the old Upton Park. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a story I always remember from when I was a kid. Obviously, 1980 FA Cup final. You were the youngest player to play at a cup final at Wembley. Almost scored. <laughs> Got ridiculously chopped down by an Arsenal player. But um, 
obviously West Ham went on to win that. What was that like? Well, to think that I was a year out of school when I broke into the first team. So that was in, I signed the professional contracts at 17 uh, in the July. September, I broke into the first team. And I think at the end of that season, I was playing in an FA Cup final. It's madness, really. Do you know what? Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. remarkable, yeah. man. That is unbelievable, Paul. So it, there I was, a game that I'd probably, I think probably at the time, it was one of two games that was live on the television. So I can remember getting up as a young boy, watching the build-up to the game, pre-match, post-match. It was a real weekend festival of football that you didn't get normally throughout the year. And there I was, my first season in professional football, when I was going to be a part of that special day. I had no nerves. I mean, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to go back afterwards. And I think that there's that sense of you want to do well, you want to play well, you don't want to let your family down, your fans down. But at 17, I was just very confident, relaxed. Could you take it all in? Yeah, I, I can still remember it to this day. I can still remember the, the joy for me where going in on the... On the Thursday, they men, mentioned in the press that I could become the youngest player if I played, but it wasn't confirmed. Yeah. Friday that I went in, we trained, they announced the team, and all I kept listening for was my name, when I got home, I couldn't tell my dad what the team was. I just knew that I was <laughs> playing. So it was only when I got to the team bus in the afternoon, Paul Brush, that had probably played consistently throughout the season at left back, we got on the bus and he was, he was a broken person. He was in tears. He, he, he wasn't selected. Right. He was sub. So that you went from my joy, how happy I was and how yeah. much I was looking forward to it. And then the other side of it, I saw Paul... Brush, I think that kind of calmed me down a little bit and put everything into perspective. But yeah, it was great memories and I can still, as I say, remember it vividly to this. I can still remember coming out of the dressing room where you're not, don't really hear that much and then all of a sudden I went into that tunnel and the noise and then it started. The nerves started a little bit then when I walked out onto the pitch. Oh, I put on a brave smile. How many games did you play before the, before the final, Paul? So I would have said that I played about 30 games and I played a lot in, of games yeah, with 17-year-olds. Yeah. Probably played in every, every cup game. I played in the semi-final, which was a replay. I played in both of those games. So I think looking back, I would have been more... I think it would have had a bigger impact on me if I didn't play or wasn't part of that day. I think it would have been more difficult if yeah. I was left out or they said it was because perhaps you're too young. If which would have been an yeah. easy call, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. He was very brave, the manager, John Lowe. When I looked, look back because Clive always smiles and he doesn't think too many players have done it. I won the FA Youth Cup the year after winning the FA Cup. <laughs> Clive always smiles at that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I did it back. My, I remember my back youth to team. Front. Yeah, my youth wow. team manager actually said that to me the following year. I think you've done this back to front, Paul. You're supposed <laughs> to win the FA Youth Cup the first year, the FA Cup the following year, but I did it the other way around. I think people who've played the game will maybe only appreciate that. That is absolutely remarkable, Paul. I remember playing in the FA Youth Cup and that was brought pressure. You were playing at the stadiums, yeah, you would yeah. be going, you'd have your family and everyone there. But to play in an FA Cup final and win it and then go back, you must have strolled out and thinking, this is easy playing in this FA Cup <laughs> final. However, amazing achievement, incredible yeah. what you did. You were still 17. You touched on the, the duties that you had to do, being in, in the academy. Yeah. Did you still have to do it while you were in the first team? Yes, I did. So what they brought in at West Ham, if you signed a professional contract at 17, you still had to do the duties until you was 18 because it was a two-year yeah. apprenticeship. 
So I still had to clean the boots, sort the kid out. So on a Friday lunchtime, most of the first team players would be driving off home. <laughs> I was still doing the. So did you have sorting your boots and sorting your kit? Yeah, out I then? did it. My, I was, Were you it doing it yourself? My, yeah, it was me. Yeah, yeah. But do you know what? I would not have swapped it. I loved it. It kept us at the training ground. There was great camaraderie amongst us, younger players. We used to get on the bus afterwards to go to either the cinema or we played cricket in the gym. It was just an, a happy environment and one where you wanted to stay and be a part of. As I say, I was living the dream at 16. Brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff. Also, around that time, started getting into England under-21s. I mean, who were your teammates internationally at that point? So, well, England youth was first, so that would have been with the likes of Clive, John Lukic. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, there was, well, the year after was Terry Gibson, Spurs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, Gary Mabbott was part of that yeah. team, uh, our youth team. Uh, Mark Haitley. So, there was some... Um, big names there. Andy Peak. Yeah, big names in yeah, there. Yeah, so there was, some, there was some good names. Paul Walsh, another Walsh, Spurs. Yeah, another Spurs yeah. man, yeah. So yeah. it was a strong squad. 200 appearances for West Ham plus, but then obviously there's interest in you. And uh, Spurs come calling. What was it like to, uh, to switch uh, east for N17? Well, yeah, pretty easy, I, I, I think, that for, for me, because I think, as I alluded to earlier, we have got such a strong connection as a family with... Spurs, so you can imagine my dad as the older brother being so proud of his son playing in a double winning team. So I knew that team off by heart yeah. from a very early age. And my dad's favourite player was Dave Mackay. So it was something that I, as soon as I knew that there was some interest from Spurs, I think there was only one club that I wanted to... Do you think to, it was almost fate? Because this is what Clive said to us, basically. Yeah. I mean, with a, you know, with a story of him you know, being in his mum's belly at the, yeah, at, the, yeah. at the 61 final and obviously what his dad did for uh, for Spurs and winning the double and obviously you being related. Did it just feel like that was going to happen? I, I don't know about fate, but I think that it, it, made, it was a, one of the reasons with Clive being here as well, that I wanted to play in the same team as Clive. We played against each other as schoolboys. We played together as... England youth. So that was an attraction that I was going to get an opportunity not to only join this great club, but I was going to get the opportunity to play with Clive. I didn't really think that because then they kept saying to me, oh, you're third member of one family to play for this club. Yeah. And then you're thinking, oh, yeah, that's pretty impressive as well. And I've never, as I say, from the day that I came into the car park, I, I spoke to other clubs, but as soon as I came into the car park, I met the chairman, Irving Scholar, there was only, place, only yeah. one place where I wanted to play and there was only one place that I wanted to be a part of. And also to think that I could have been playing alongside Glenn Hoddle, who was a hero, Ozzy Ardiles. Yeah, Chrissy Waddle was being yeah. signed. Yeah. So it was a really exciting time for the club as well and the team. You've just touched on some names in that dressing room there. Early on in the 80s, FA Cup winners, UEFA Cup winners. How, how was it walking into a dressing room full of superstars, as you can say? I mean, look, at 17, you've played an FA Cup final and won it. So how was it now to walk into a dressing room and, and see these idols? It I was suppose, quite daunting, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it did have, I think when I first arrived, that was the one thing, that there was all the, like Ray Clements and people that Steve Perryman all these great names, great players, and there I was a part of that. So it probably took me a few weeks to adjust to that in pre-season, although I still had some great names at West Ham. Coming into 
to, to, to Spurs, the club, uh, the, the enormity of the club, the training ground, the ground, the size of the, the, like the fan base, it, you, you kind of start to think about things that you probably wouldn't have done previously. And a little bit more expectation because you've, what exactly. you did at West Ham, you've gone through the yeah. ranks and you've seen and then all of a sudden you make the step up. Now you're coming as a first team player. Yeah, yeah. As you rightly say, I think that there's that level of expectation. I signed with Chrissy Waddle. We're coming into a team that had done well. They won that UEFA, the UEFA Cup. So all of a sudden, I think that they, it was kind of building on from that. Mm. So as you rightly say, there was probably a lot more pressure and expectation on me as a young player coming from West Ham or signing from West Ham. But, you know, as a player, that you kind of adjust to it pretty quickly. But that first initial reaction, walking in, walking into the dressing room, thinking, oh, <laughs> it's Glenn and Ozzy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who are the characters in there? Paul, because I mean, obviously, we know people like Paul Miller, great characters. Yeah, Rob, yeah. Uh, Robbo, great character. Who, who, who did you find were the, were the, were the real yeah, characters pa in there? Pa pa Paul Miller was always a real character and kind of in, he was very confident. It, it, he would kind of always, if you felt a little bit, if there was any kind of tense or nervousness, he always seemed to say something that would kind of calm yeah. the situation down. But it was a good, I've got to say, it was a healthy. Dress room. It wasn't a dress room that I went into where the, the, it, there was banter, there was fun, but it was in a nice yeah. way. Yeah, it was in a nice way. And I think the whole dressing room was full of characters in their own way. They all had their own different personalities. You had Steve Perriman. Yeah, a real who, leader in there. Exactly. Right? He didn't really need to say a lot, mm. but he led by yeah. example. Having Clive in there, did it make a little... Did it help a little bit? Yeah, I think it, it, it helps that you know someone. I think Chrissy Waddle as well, because we joined mm. at the same time. Yeah. So we're probably going through the same, although Chris was obviously an established England player at that particular time. But it does it did help having Clive there as well. Yeah, it did. What was it like playing with him? With Clive? Yeah. It was difficult because the first season, uh, Clive had um, he'd, he'd had a problem with the, a groin injury. So he didn't play much of pre-season and he didn't really play too much at that start of the season, uh, Clive. But again, it was just, it was, I don't know. I always, when I played with Clive, I always seemed to think I know where Clive would be if I crossed the ball. I didn't always need to have a look. I just yeah. seemed to think I know yeah. that Clive he would be in that well, area. He? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, similar to yeah. Gary Lineker was similar. You got off to a good start in your debut, beating Watford four 0 and scoring yeah. as well. Yeah, I got. I think it might have took a couple of deflections. It doesn't matter. The old yeah, I took it. <laughs> it says Paul Allen on the score sheet. It's in the old cow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I see it ricochet off of a few players, but it actually went in. No, I couldn't have got off to a better mm. start. We played really, really well. It's, it's a shame because it was a talented squad, but we didn't really have that consistency. We had a good start to the season. Um, Peter Shreve and John Pratt were on the coaching staff that were, were good and um, made things comfortable for me. But sadly, over the course of the season, we, we, we were a little bit inconsistent as a team when you look at some of the players that were in that, in that side. 86-87. I mean, this is for Spurs fans. This is one of the great teams, and it's such a shame that it didn't sort of, you know, turn into silverware. But what was it like being part of that? Just to quickly tell the story, you know, we get to November. David Pleats in charge. He changes the system, and from from then onwards, we just click unbelievably. What was it like being part of that team, Paul? I think that's what you dream of as a player to be a part of a special team like that to go out onto the pitch thinking, we're going to win today. I feel, you know, we're going to win. 
We've got, so, we've got such a great team. The way we played that open, expansive football, we outscored most teams over the course of the season. We, we beat, as I said earlier, I think we beat Liverpool home and away that year. Everton won the league we beat yeah. at home that year. So every team that we played, West Ham that we beat very, very yeah, well very in the well, league yeah. and yeah, in the league West cup. Yeah. yeah. So it's just a dream as a player that when you're in a team like that, there you are surrounded by these great players week in, week out. I think the one thing that stood out for me is that we just went out thinking we're going to win today. We've got such a strong team, a great team from Ray Clements all the way through. It was, it was an exciting team to be a part of. It really was. Semi-finals of the League Cup, third in the league. It comes to the final day of the season, the FA Cup final. Clive scores his 49th yeah. goal of the season. You go one nil up. We're now ended. That must have been a bitterly disappointing day. No, I think that you've mentioned that to think that that team that is still quite revered even yeah. now, yeah. moving on. When the I fact do, that we're talking about it in yeah. such glowing yeah. terms, right? It, it's just so sad that there's nothing to actually show. There was nothing to build on, which was always sad. But there was players there that when we lost Glenn, that players that you can't replace mm. quickly. But to think that we didn't win anything in that team, I think, always hurts me to this day, but professionally as a player. But it was still special to be in that team. Coventry got off to a great start, 3-2, but it just we just didn't play on that day like we had done over the course yeah. of the season. I don't know why. We had the problem with the like the build-up to it with the shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Some had the sponsor on it, some didn't. Yeah. It was yeah. all just something going on around the day. It just didn't seem, when I look back now, didn't seem quite right. You talked about the, the team being special there, Paul. No more than, more than playing with your cousin Clive and getting 49 goals. Yeah. Let's just touch on how amazing that is because I think it's probably only now appreciated that we look what Haaland did last year yeah. to say, this is phenomenal what Clive did. Uh, to, to think that, as I say, I think probably took it for granted a little bit as a player that Clive was up there on his own and then week after week he was scoring goals and I mean not single goals it was two three goals hat-tricks to think when I look back now how amazing what an achievement that was because he was always unassuming Clive he was never one to it was on to the next game but to think over a course of a season if I ever say that to anyone now he scored 49 goals in a season. They're, they're in disbelief. And to Dawes think, was in a little bit of disbelief. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was. Did yeah, you ever think it would get broke? I've always said to Clive that I, I don't think... I'd be very, very surprised if it ever anyone kind of Even that gets record. near it. Yeah, alone, yeah. yeah. But then Harlan turns on Harlan. Yeah. <laughs> but at least he's still got that record at Spurs, yeah, hasn't yeah, he? The yeah, 49 yeah, goals in a season. Yeah. I think that's... As I say, I think it's going to take... He's always yeah. going to be talked about, that's for yeah. sure, at this football yeah. club, but also in, in all mean, time. Look, look oh, he was a goal machine. Look at the goals, the goals that Harry scored. Yeah. But yeah. He only ever, he got into 40s once, I think. Yeah, 44. Greaves, and Greaves, he was, I think, he, I think obviously Clive would have beaten Greaves' record. I think that was 44, and I think Harry right. was 42. Right. So it just showed 49. Yeah. I didn't even think anything of it. I remember uh, Clive was, did something or he got interviewed at the ground and we was at the ground. And I think he met Jimmy Greaves. Yeah, and Greaves, he said, you're going to break Greaves it. Jimmy Greaves actually said to him, yeah. and I remember Clive saying that, <laughs> but Clive didn't think anything of it. He just said, oh, he mentioned about his record and it was 49 goals. And we were both saying, 49 goals, that's yeah. incredible. And they're, they're or 48 goals, yeah. sorry. And then Clive was the beat it with 49. Madness. Amazing. Madness. Brilliant, brilliant days. Brilliant days.
We're going to move on a few years, though, Paul, because you tasted FA Cup success very early on in your career. Then you'd had the disappointment, that defeat in 87. But we were building again. We were building again. Terry Venables comes in. And we get to 1991. And we're going to end up with this memorable FA Cup run inspired by Gaza. Yeah. Um, before we ask you about that, I just that, that squad that, that Terry built. I mean, Gary Lineker came in, for instance. Tell us a little bit about Gary. What was it? Because you'd played with Clive... And now here comes one of England's all-time greatest goal scorers to the club. Well, Gary Lineker was that iconic figure, wasn't he? As a, as a, as a player, his profile, the level of uh, consistency as well at England level, scoring goals. So to think that we had Gary was coming to the club, that meant a lot, not only to the fans, but in the dressing room as well, to see him, uh, he was going to be a part of our, our team. We had some fantastic individuals, like Nose Gazan, Naeem, Gary Lineker, um, but again, I think the, the problem was when we played well, we was very, very good. It was just finding that that consistency. But there was some to be great fair, names. you did finish third, didn't you? Yeah, eighty nine, ninety, which yeah. was, I mean, that was our best finish for a long time. Yeah, wasn't it? But, but there were some some great individuals in that team, some great players in that team, and as a team that we were very, very good. I think it was just finding that that consistency. But it was, as I say, and G- Gary was similar. To, to Clive, yeah, goal scorer. Yeah, he was very, very quick, uh, could stretch teams. But again, I think with Clive and Gary Lineker, they've got those skills that I don't necessarily think that you can yeah. coach or teach. It's, an, it's like a natural instinct in that when they get in that 18-yard box, they can score goals, know where to be. Didn't, score, a, didn't make many tackles, though, no? Because <laughs> he didn't get booked in his whole career. No. Is that right? That no. is, that's mind-blowing as well, yeah. to yeah. thinking... Then, I mean, you had to make some tackles anyway, but just not to get booked for anything is remarkable. Yeah. He obviously didn't tackle, no. The difference between <laughs> the two is that you probably want Clive in your five-a-side team on a Friday. You won't want Gary Lee. <laughs> <No, no, no. laughs> so he turned him on a Saturday. Yeah, 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 but, but, yeah when it came to the games, he, he was, was, yeah, he, he was incredible. He really was. It's inevitable, Paul, when we start talking about uh, this period. Obviously, you're going to bring Gazza into the conversation. Um Legend, yeah, he's a I legend. mean, for, yeah. for for people of my generation, this is like this is like the yeah. icon, really. Yeah. Your uh, generation, my generation, <laughs> are we in the same? Yeah. <laughs> he is but, an absolute I mean, to, legend. But, but just, to, I mean, everyone talks about '91, but you know, let's go back. What was he like when he joined the club? I mean, we, we know he, he had bags of natural talent. Literally, everyone was after him. We get him to Spurs. What was his character like when he walked through the door? I can only imagine, but you can tell us because you were there. Well, I think my first introduction is we played Newcastle away that season and he was just incredible. We think, what a talent, what a player this is. And then to think that we, he was going to play for Spurs, I think he just walked in as confident, as natural as you would expect Gaza to walk in. And I, it, from day one, he settled down really quickly. You could tell that this was just an outstanding talent. Um, he was a character. I think he was, he was certainly idolised and loved in the in the dressing room as well. But his performances, I think you play with certain players and they do things on a pitch and you, you're kind of thinking, how did you manage to and do that? And this is important to say because when people talk about Gaza, people want to remember, yeah, he was a character, he did this, he did that, all these funny stories. As a player, this is one of the best ever 
English footballers ever, isn't yeah. it? In terms of natural talent, especially. Tell us about him. Just tell us about him as a footballer. Well, as a footballer, that, that I don't think there's too many footballers that I've come across that can do things like Gaza did. As I said, you play alongside him, and Michael, probably you've had the same, and you're thinking, how did he do that? How did he score that goal? Like when in the semi-final, the free kick, and I'm thinking... You're not going to take a free kick from there, surely. David Seaman in goal, yeah. by yeah. the way. Yeah. But Gazza being Gazza, not only did he have the confidence, but he executed it as well. And I think the other thing with Gazza is not only his ability, but his desire. His desire to play. He loved the game. He wanted to play. He wanted to do well. Because we beat Notts County at home. He scored the winning goal. He'd been carrying a hernia. Yeah. He yeah. got operated after that game. And leading up to the semi-final against... Arsenal, he played, I would have said, less than 50 minutes of football. And he'd been out for quite a period of time. But again, it was that desire. It was that other side of the game that you probably wouldn't necessarily... But he had that, that, that burning desire to do well, to want to play, to showcase the skills and ability that he had. But he is, as I say, I thought he was a, a, a real genius on the... On the pitch. I thought he was a genius. Growing up, he oh, was one of my yeah. idols. He was... Yeah. I, I just loved everything he, about him. He was everything that... When you grow up as a kid, he was everything that you wanted to be. Yeah. Just put well, yourself none of us in, could be. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just put yourself in the middle of the park and just go and play well, football. Well, Gazza, I think when you look at some of the attributes of players that some have, but not probably all of them, he could score goals, mm. he could make goals... He could tackle. If you tackled him, he was going to tackle you yeah, back. Or well, if yeah. you kicked him, he was, aggressive, he was he? going yeah, to kick yeah. you back. He was physically very strong. He could head a ball. He could get from box to box. He had some all, all the attributes that... If you had two or three of those, you'd be happy. Gazrad seemed to have, have them in abundance. Yeah, he really did. What he did have, he looked like he loved playing football. Yeah. He played oh. with a smile on his yeah. face. Yeah. And he was yeah. a character. I mean, the goal against Scotland, I have to touch on that one. That When he flicked <laughs> it over, oh, Colin Hendry, yeah. and yeah. then he takes a volley, and then he lies on the floor and does a dentist. As a kid growing up, you think, he's got character. Yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, and I can imagine sharing a dressing room with him was a nightmare. <laughs> you certainly wouldn't... I, didn't, I, I would not want to room with Gazza on a Friday night. <laughs> He would be the least person, as much as I loved him, yeah. I respect him as a player, but I would not have wanted to room yeah. with him on a, on a Friday night. Who did get that honour? Mostly. Uh, Mabs, uh, to keep him on the straight and narrow. Mabs was good for him now. I can remember the, the Portsmouth away game, and I used to travel in with Justin Edinburgh. Yeah, Justin got it. Didn't he, Justin, uh, <laughs> Justin said to me, I saw him at pre, uh, pre-match, and he said to me, I've got the short straw on. So straight away I said, you're, you're rooming with Gazza. And he said to me, no, I've got John Moncar. I said, well, that's not too bad, is it? He said, but Gazza's in the adjoining room <laughs> and they've opened the door. So I said to him, oh, right. And apparently they, they was doing all these different activities. So the eve of Portsmouth away. So Justin came down and said to him, did you get any sleep? He said, no, I've not got any sleep. Justin wasn't playing at that time because they announced the team on the Friday. So we didn't know who was going to be mm. sub. So Justin said to me, I said, where's Gazza now? Oh, he's gone down to the health club. Oh, well, has he? Oh, yeah, they're playing games in the health club, him, John Monker and a couple of the others. You think we've got the biggest game of the season. <laughs> so I saw Justin at pre-match and he said to me, do you know what, Ollie, you used to call me, I- I'm really pleased. This is the only time in my career that I'm quite happy that I'm not playing tomorrow. And I laughed. We got onto the team bus. We warmed up at Portsmouth. Justin was sub. Terry Fennick broke his leg did, yeah. in the warm-up. 
he came in and Terry Vettel said, Justin, strip off, you're playing left back. So I looked at Justin, <laughs> Justin looked at me and he smiled. And to be fair, he had an amazing game. Wow. And Gazza, who hadn't slept probably all night, been up early in the morning, scored both goals, yeah. got man of the match. Yeah, on that, on a white muddy yeah, pitch in yeah. filthy conditions. And that was Gazza all over. Yeah. What a guy. 91, Paul, we were lucky because... Let's be honest, we had two FA Cup finals in 1991, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, that was special. And uh, obviously, the, the, I mean, funny enough, the, the game against Arsenal is seen, you know, obviously seen by many as, uh, you know, the, the, the bigger of the two almost, isn't it? But you, you had to go and win the trophy. But just, just tell us about Arsenal. I mean, what a performance. You, you were probably going to get an hour out, out of Gaza and he <laughs> delivered and you were involved as well. And the, just the way we started that game, it was... That was some performance against a team, let's not forget, that will go on to win the title. Yeah, they were, they were on for the double, weren't they? So I think that was the, that, that was the, the motivation for us. And, well, not only well, part of the motivation is obviously we wanted to, to win the game. There were so many different factors. The first game, the semi-final that was played at the Wembley, Wembley yeah. as well. North London Derby. So yeah. North London Derby against Arsenal. Yeah, we... we I think that every player in that dressing room that was played to their full potential on the day and I thought we, we came out worthy winners and we beat a team that won the league like 3-1 on the day and could have been perhaps more. Yeah, yeah. It was but, so good. But it was, uh, that you, was... You mentioned the free kick. Come on, where were you for the free... What, what was your angle for the free kick? So I was on the... If you're looking at it kind of centrally, I was on that right midfield... And I could see Gazza lining it up and I wasn't sure what he was going to actually do. But I think the last thing that I thought he was going to go for goal. But what a start, what an execution. As you say, England goalkeeper, fantastic keeper, David Seaman. And there he is just, yeah, from that distance, top corner. I mean, the shot seemed to just, it was still rising when it went in, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. He just had that ability oh. that he could do those magical things. And I think that, that kind of settles us down really, really quickly as a team. And I think, as I say, we just went from strength to strength. We scored the second quite quickly as well. I think we was like 2 up within yeah, about 15 quickly, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they pulled one back before half-time. We had a little bit of a, a spell second half where we was holding on, but then we scored the third and then the game got stretched it, yeah. out and then yeah. we really started... To, 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 to play that yeah, day. Once the third went in, it was yeah. just about done, wasn't it? It's but it was just great to be a part. Yeah, As you rightly well. say, that you come off thinking, we've done, this is amazing, but now we've got to switch yeah. off and try and concentrate on the final uh, now. But that was, that, that was for me, one of the special moments in my career yeah, and one course. that I'll yeah. never forget. And if yeah. any fans actually ask me, I always think that's probably one yeah. of my... Yeah. I think when people, talk 90, moments, when people yeah. talk 91, they start there, yeah, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's probably yeah. me when I remember I would have been probably seven or eight then and you're looking and I remember that I can see now Gaza standing over it with his Puma Kings and he whips this in and yeah. he celebrates and yeah. the shorts high yeah. up and oh, oh, incredible goal and, and then he's comment afterwards that he's going to get measured for yeah. his suit cut final suit, suit now <laughs> <laughs> that always stands out yeah. as well oh, brilliant brilliant so I mean obviously we, we're touching on it there we had to go from Arsenal, playing Forest in the fight. I mean, it all went on against Forest, didn't it? We lose Gaza. They, Stuart Pearce scores a free kick. We're losing. We miss a penalty. I think it's very underrated, Paul, how we turn that around. Yeah. Tell us, just tell us about the final. I think, for me, that was the, the, the difficult... The difficulty was being trying to be positive as you walk off the pitch at half-time because, as you say, we had a goal 
disallowed for yeah, offside, of which apparently well, yeah. Was, yeah. was a genuine, incredible goal. Gary Lineker missed the penalty, and I'd never seen Gary Lineker miss a penalty before. We lost Gaza, who was our, you know, that was our, that, that he was our talisman. Mm. And then we conceded just before half-time. And you're walking back to the dressing room, trying to stay positive, trying to stay focused. But you're thinking, this is going to be a, a tough day today. But we rallied around in the dressing room. I think Terry Venables kind of got behind the players, got behind the team. And as a team, I think we wanted to do it for Gaza because it's yeah. always a sad memory for me to think that we did. He had such a pivotal part yeah. in us getting there. And then sadly, he wasn't there at the end to collect a medal that he deserved that that that's the one you think look he'd gone off he'd had a terrible injury but the fact that he still wasn't there to go and lift the trophy which yeah. is yeah. probably a day you, he would you have never ever forget well. yeah. Yeah. but you all went to see him in hospital until we the all trophy? went on the bus afterwards to see him at the hospital so you can imagine he's going through a lot of emotions but i don't think we knew to the full extent about the injury at that particular time um but gaza being gaza he, i mean he, he came back and he put on a brave face when we actually saw him but i i, I genuinely felt for him as uh, as a player yeah as a player considering what he'd actually done as a player in the team to to, to get us to that cup final do you think you would have done that for any player that got carried off or do you think it was because Gaza was such an important player for your character as well as as a world-class player you'd like to think for yeah. if it was if, because if it was any player but I think there was that was a that, tight group I yeah think I think done, it was uh, yeah. but but again because it was probably Gaza, I think it was it was something that everybody. But I think anybody that would have actually, yeah, there would have course. been the same. I think there would have been the same reaction from the players. Ninety two, ninety three, Paul, you are you are a player of the season. But football changes, yeah, in ninety two, ninety three, because it's the you know the Premier League comes in. What was it like being involved in the in the first season of the Premier League? Didn't feel any different. Yeah, really. you know, everyone who said that and said that, it didn't feel. <laughs> but any, you realise now, though, yeah, right? Yeah, as it obviously started to grow, there was more games. I think the only difference being that there was probably started to be more live games yeah. than there had been previously, um, but not really. I didn't really feel that there was that much difference. The league was still very, very competitive, but no, it was it was great to be a part of the Premier League, and it's been so impressive to see and amazing to see how that Premier the Premier League's grown yeah. over the years. Yeah, and you got Player of the Year that year. Yeah, again, congratulations! There's not many of us got that, no, you know, Paul. No. So, and to be yeah. on that plaque is an incredible, especially when you touched yeah. on it earlier with, yeah. with Teddy Sheringham getting Golden Boot. Yeah. So you must have had some season. I think it might have been over a build-up of, of the, the, the the season and the season before. So what an honour for me! Didn't really know when I actually went to the actual awards that I was going to that I'd actually won it. And I think the first thing that stood out for me is, and again we discussed it earlier, was. The, how pleased I was to receive it. But then when you sit back down and then you look at the plaque, yeah. the names on it, yeah. historically, to think that I'm a part of that legacy, well, do I need to, do I really believe <laughs> that I'm part of that, those unique players that have actually won that, that, that individual award? So that's still a thrill for me yeah. now as a player, that, that I'm part of that. It is that people still ask me, I, I think I got it in 9, 10, and, and you say, you talk, look at the list. Yeah. When I received it, I'm like, wow, yeah, Teddy, you had Aussie. I mean, you and Clint were players that I'd watched growing yeah. up. And you think, yeah. wow, and even now with Harry and Sonny. And I mean, the list is phenomenal. And yeah. it's, it, it is, it's a privilege and an honour to be on that. Oh, I'm really, yeah, really honoured and thrilled to, yeah, to be a part of that mm. 
group. Not sure if I deserve to be a part of that group, but I am. And you certainly do, thrill. Paul. Yeah. You certainly yeah. do. That's one thing because people recognise how yeah. well you've done. No, it's a special how, how award. Do you, how do you sum it all up, Paul? I mean, let's say, I mean, 370 appearances certainly puts you in the top 25 all time, like of all time of this football club in terms of appearances. Oh, I didn't realise yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, eight years here. I mean, you had the disappointment of the 87, then obviously winning the FA Cup in 91. Great teammates, great time for the club. Terry Venables in charge, Gaza. How do you sum it all up? Obviously, and starting with, with, with Clive. Yeah, I think, I think probably with, with pride now, when I look mm. back, you probably don't as a player when you're playing. But looking back now... This is the club, as I said, that I had a strong affiliation with from a young age through my dad so uh, and his brother Les. To think that I've been a part of that, I'm so pleased that that day that I went with my instinct when I went into the car park, that I signed here. This is where I wanted to play. I loved every minute of it. I think I played with that enthusiasm and, that, and I was infectious in that way. And to be a part of this club and still to continue to be a part of the clubs it means a lot to me to this present day. Still really thrilled, really proud that I'm a part of that, that, what, that the era that I played in and to still be part of it. And we still see you now. on match days, don't you? Yeah, so. I'm still a, a, a very much a Spurs fan, want the team to do well. Um, and I say it's really encouraging this season uh, and just come in and, uh, I mean, the atmosphere for the Man United game was just on its own was incredible and the result was even better. So, Feeling very optimistic, yeah. Paul, given the family name, the connection with the football club, is there any more Allens out there that might pull a Spurs shirt on one day? Uh, Can we be hopeful? They should be. Yeah, <laughs> There's going to so. be one somewhere. Well, I hope so. I really do. It'd be nice. Yeah, it'd be nice. Clive's brought a grandson, uh, Bertie. He's really sport-minded. So, yeah. You watch his see. space, eh? Yeah, you watch his space. Yeah. yeah. That'd be uh, brilliant if it was another Allen. <laughs> They've got high standards to keep uh, up. Well, no, that kid's coming in here with a lot of pressure on, I tell you. Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you very much to have an insight of your career. I mean, it's been absolutely mind-blowing and probably myself and a lot of people who listen to this may only appreciate what you did from a 17-year-old at West Ham to yeah. what you've done at Spurs. Thank you so much. No, thanks for the invite. It's been a thrill for me to be here with you and Mark. We're not letting so you go just you. yet, though. Yeah. Everyone who sits on... Yeah. Uh, on the, still got a on few the show. cheeky yeah. questions for yeah, you. Yeah, go on. Go on, Emma, as he lives. Go on, away. right, okay. Number, number one on, on, on the Q&A. What is the f your favourite piece of football memorabilia? That could be a shirt you swapped, although I gather, you know, it was less likely to do that in your day. It might be something a fan sent you. Yeah, it might be something that you collected on a European trip. What is your favourite piece of Spurs memorabilia? Uh, my shirt from 91. That would be my favourite. The cup final shirt. Yeah, yeah. cup final shirt. Yeah, 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 I've still got the shirt. Oh, I love it. Framed it up anywhere? No, it's not. No, no, no. it's not framed no. up. But I've got, got the shirt. Yeah, that. So that would be my favourite piece of oh, memorabilia. That's a lovely one. I like that. it. Lovely one. Like it. Favourite Spurs kit ever. Not that you played in. It could be now. It could be the one that comes to mind is uh, is the, the FA Cup semi final. Guys, where I can just see everything. See, my favourite shirt and watching as a young boy was the um, shirt worn in the, you know, I think they were probably all in white against the League Cup final, Martin Chivers, 1970. Yeah, yeah, I loved yeah, that yeah, kit. Yeah, that wasn't white. Admiral, was it? It was a dude. No, I think it might have been Umbro. Umbro, that's I love that kit. Yeah. 
you're yeah. going to have to hunt all these yeah, out yeah, and like, yeah. you're going to have yeah. to clip it up and that find was my, it well. that was that, literally that, plain all white wasn't yeah, it yeah, 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 yeah I loved yeah. that kit that, yeah. and watching as a young young boy watching that game and that kit and we, um, the, the first one was Martin scored I think he scored two Aston he did, Villa yeah. yeah he did and that really stands out I can remember even meeting Martin as a player and my first thought was I watched you big match two goals Aston Villa yeah the all Very white memories. kit is yeah. special Louis is. my boy was in it yeah. at football at the weekend when I went to watch him in one of the pairs that, that stands out as my favourite kit yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. All white. Louis looks smart. He's yeah. all white. He had his new night boots on. <laughs> I thought he looked crisp. Lovely. Okay, your favourite player that you played with? Favourite player that I played with? Oh, there's so many that that stand out. <laughs> Not forgetting you've got a bit of family here. <laughs> yeah. So that goes without standing. Apologies, Clive, if it's not Yeah. <laughs> but there's, I can't, I don't know, but, but there's three that stand out. For me, probably four that I couldn't really. So it will be Ozzy Ardilis, Glenn Hoddle, Paul Gascoigne, Chrissy Waddle. Chrissy Waddle. They would have wow. four. You world class. I'm not you surprised in, you can't pick between no, them. No, that's incredible. You <laughs> yeah. put that in the world class bracket. That, they, they were for me players that, as I say, that I'd, I'd watched, I had the opportunity to play with, as we said earlier that they could just do something different from, and that's no disrespect, but they, they could do things different. They could turn the game by a pass or by scoring a goal or by running and beating somebody. Yeah. They were the four players that, for me, that as a player, I look back and think, yeah, that they were real class, world-class players. players. Special players, special players. Right, so now you have to put your your that, uh, that answer should team. make this yeah, answer quite yeah, easy. Yeah, we've got four. You just need you put yourself in goal. Five-a-side team. So, um, and you can be in it or on the uh, bench or whatever. Your Spurs all-time five-a-side so team. It would, oh, so five-a-side. Yeah, it's tough. Well, I'd have to go with that. That four. Four, and then you, so you need a keeper. You need a keeper. So, uh, Pat Jennings. Yes, big Pat. Yeah, Pat. Like you ain't going to get past him. No, that would be my five-a-side team. So better reel it off, Pat. Aussie. Aussie. Gaza, Glenn, Chrissy Waddle. Yeah. That's attacking. Wow. Who needs defenders when you've yeah. got them in your team, eh? <laughs> well, we've got batting goal. We won't need defenders. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That could be busy. Give us your um, one piece of life advice that you would give to people. Uh, what did my... So I was always brought up on... And I hear it a lot now, but I didn't... It was always nice to be important but even more important to be nice yeah love that that love was it. my favourite love that it just, that is yeah. a life message love yeah. it. right there who is your Spurs unsung hero someone who doesn't get the, the credit they probably did it can be your time or it can be to the current day um, someone you think does a great job or did a great job oh trying to think perhaps Somebody like when I played in '91, someone like David Howes. Yeah, Howes. Yeah, Howes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What a player! He was way. a great player, yeah. really important for the team. Um, yeah, I'd say David, because I've also sadly, although it was probably at the latter of my career, we didn't win anything. I haven't really mentioned like the likes of Teddy and yeah, Darren yeah, Anderson yeah, as well. Yeah, we were yeah. two world-class players. Yeah. Halsey, yeah. you can tell, even when they're playing yeah. some of the old yeah. Legends games, yeah. he, he can still You'd play. You'd want him on your side. Yeah. He was a good pro. He, he, he was a good, well, he's a great footballer. Yeah. But I think that he perhaps didn't always get the recognition yeah. 
as players, yeah. you'd recognise it. Yeah. yeah. But perhaps that didn't get recognised. Yeah, I thought he was... Okay. A, it, but without players like Housie in that team and without players like you in that team... I'd probably yeah. be Gazza, similar, yeah. Gazza and <coughs> Garanik, yeah. I can't do what no, they Yeah, do. exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay, last question. In your opinion, who is the greatest Spurs player of all time? I've got to go with my dad's favourite, Dave Mackay. That's my dad's idol. That's who my dad kind of used to talk about religiously in the car. Even though his, his brother played centre-forward... Dave Mackay was his... And they would always... Every every person who played with or watched Dave Mackay, your reaction would be, yeah, Dave Mackay. Yeah. And they always would just say, he could play, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in terms of what... I, 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 per, me, personally, it would probably be Glenn Hoddle, but I'm going with my dad's instincts, and he was, was Dave Mackay. The heartbeat of the double yeah. team. Yeah, he loved that. He loved him as a player. Well, Paul, once again, no. thank you very much. Paul, thank you very much. No, thank you. It's been great to talk to you. No, thank you. Thanks for the invite. Sports Social Podcast Network.